Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Rafe Blanford from All About Windows Phone and All About Symbian.com. That's a mouthful, and I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And this week we are going to be talking about smartphones. Um, I've been doing some research uncharacteristically for a blogger. I thought I'd look up some actual statistics, <laughs> and we've learned something interesting about smartphone penetration in the UK. So we're going to have a conversation all about that. So, chaps, I, I, I don't doubt that Rafe already knows this because he lives in a spreadsheet, as far as I can tell, head up, you know, up to his knees in numbers. Although, you know, admittedly, that's not very high, is it? Um, <laughs> boom. Uh, that, that'll upset the listeners who were saying. Well, there's me... going to be quite a lot of, you know, hash, we love Rafe tweets. Yeah, I, I, get, I get lots of hate. Defend don't Rafe. Me- don't be mean to Rafe. Uh, you, you hurt the ones you love, Rafe. Just remember that. Um, so... I've been doing some research, and the interesting thing that uh, I uh, I noticed was that the you know quite a respected firm of analysts, so the the Comscore people who are, are sort of widely quoted, are saying that um, 2012, or actually probably the latter months of 2011, in the UK, um, smartphones the amount of smartphones owned are going to exceed the number of dumb phones. And I was kind of struck by this because it's kind of like an important tipping point, and I'm not sure many people have have talked about it. You know, that's that's going to change quite a lot of things for quite a lot of people in the mobile industry so i thought we ought to have a conversation about it and just see sort of what the implications are i mean first up rafe do those numbers ring true to you yes they ring true to me Uh, the uk is not the first market to get here by any means i mean even within europe both italy and spain have uh, higher smartphone penetration although we do need to be careful when we talk about smartphones because as we all know there are different types But certainly, yes, the 50% figure is about right. The UK is one of the most competitive markets. All the smartphone platforms are available here and pretty competitive prices. And, um, you know, often we we try and talk about, you know, global markets and we try and sort of not be UK centric. But I thought it might be interesting this week, even for, for listeners who aren't in the UK, for us just to sort of focus down on one market and in that case, one we know, and just sort of see what it actually means on the ground and try and pull out some lessons. Because my sense is that the changes that the UK is going through at this point in the market will be similar challenges that, as, as Rafe says, you know, Italy and other countries have gone through and you know that places like the US won't be too far behind uh, Ewan. Well absolutely and we're going to see these changes I think uh, you know when companies finally react from a financial standpoint you know, when uh, I remember uh, I think it was two years ago now Ocado which is the uh, the home uh, food home delivery uh, service here in the or, um, not food what do you call it? Groceries. Groceries, that's it. Groceries, not just food. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, they would, I think it was 8% of their, their revenue, almost half a billion, uh, their, their entire revenue, and then 8% of that, 40-odd million, um, came from mo- mobile platforms. And at that point, it was basically iPhone. And they launched an Android, and then they launched iPad, and so on. And they're on other platforms now. Uh, more and more, we're going to hear from companies that, that a substantial amount of their revenue is going to be derived from mobile and that's going to astonish us and, and more and more it will continue to astonish us before it becomes de facto so what's the the key problem we've got in this marketplace is uh, all these companies that simply don't know about mobile they're not aware of it all, all these retailers uh, service providers who just they, they, i mean even if you visit the website on your smartphone it's it, it's not optimized they haven't thought about mobile at all and forget about apps 
for a minute. This is, this is just basic stuff like they don't expect people to be using their services via a smartphone or any phone, and they're not prepared for it. So that, that's a, a major challenge we're going to face. And Rafe, what does you know? What, what does it mean to a to a firm, be it you know mobile mobile industry or someone like a Cardo who's just interested in selling carrots? You know, what does it mean for them to to see that fifty percent figure? Well, I think you look at the mobile industry to start with, and that means that when you're looking at your customer base, more of them already have a smartphone, and so you're going to have to be uh, either converting them onto a smartphone uh, of another platform if you're a competitor to what they've already got if you're an operator you need to encourage them to stay on the smartphone because that's where your most valuable customers you get more revenue per user uh, i mean let's not mistake there's still a 50 percent who don't and they still represent a massive opportunity but it gets to the point where those who are have smartphones outweigh those who don't and that i think changes the marketing dynamics and the competitive dynamics and what you was saying there is really applies to everybody else uh, because more people have smartphones, you have to have a strategy that is informed that way. You might have been able to ignore mobile up to this point by saying it's not enough to have an impact. But uh, we're getting to the figures where you know, more people have a smartphone than have a, a personal computer of their own. And so uh, it's not so much true in the UK, but it's starting to get that way. And it will go that way in the future, as we have in some markets where mobile becomes the primary computer for a lot of people and the primary way they access the internet or their messages and so i think that has you know very very big impact on any company's strategy because it's the direct way you connect with a consumer and 50 percent is kind of an interesting line to cross isn't it but actually the other thing that we should be aware of is that the same analysts are saying that by 2015 70 percent of, of of mobile users in the uk will be on smartphones so that trend you know, we're not going to reach 50% and settle out. It looks like it's going to carry on to the point where smartphones overwhelmingly dominate and actually not too far into the future either. That's right. Although I would say we have to be careful to recognise that not all smartphones are created equal. Mm. And, I mean, there is a definition problem with smartphones that we've known about for a long time. I mean, some people own well, Blackberries, for example. <laughs> well, exactly. But also the feature ah. phones are going to become like smartphones today, but to tomorrow's smartphones aren't going to be recognisable as the smartphones of today. So there is still going to be a, if you like, a capability gap between the top and the bottom of the market. Uh, and that's no different than it is today. What I think is important to recognise is that everyone will have a much higher basic set of capabilities. And that's the sort of issue that needs to be addressed. It's not about just doing talk and text anymore. It is a lot more than that. And it's true not just for a small portion of the market. It's going to be true for basically the entire mobile owning market in the UK. And certainly, I mean, the stat that three, the UK mobile network here, three have published several times over is that sort of, no, is it 97% of the traffic on their network is data? And obviously they they you know focus very heavily on data-centric phones, so that's a bit skewed, but it's kind of an indicator of where things will go. But it kind of that concerns me, Ewan, because it strikes me that the one thing that comes out of these numbers is actually that I don't really have confidence that mobile network operators could can cope with this. They might be you know, excited because it seems like a way to to get more money from customers by charging for all the services that smartphones need. But where's the capacity and the support and maybe even a bit of user education? Because they don't do particularly good jobs of that now in my book. No, well, it's, it's a real problem. We've, we've seen this with the iPhone again, again, again. You've got what, yeah, these, these operators, they're not one being. 
right? They're a little different. In in uh, one particular operator or any operator, you have all these different little fiefdoms. So you have the guy that flogs the handsets or terminals. And let's be clear, these these guys still talk about terminals, right? And selling handsets or terminals. Yeah, that, that's a that's a business of its own. Right, the retail sec- section of Vodafone, for example, is completely different from a guy that runs a network. And you know, they, I think it's fairly. I was going to say, um, is it fairly nice to say, or is it accurate to say that these guys don't talk to each other? It's clearly they do not speak to each other properly, and they, there's no cohesion um, in any of these operators uh, because they're busy trying to flog the devices. Okay, and then there is little in the way of planning going on. They say there is. Okay, but. W- um, the answer is no. Okay, there's no planning going on whatsoever. Because when I walk down the street um, in, let's say, London or or any any metropolitan area, the chances of me actually getting a really good signal, data signal, um, sorry, or uh, capacity, data capacity. You know, it says H, right, for HSPA or H something, and you know everything just takes flipping ages to do to do anything on the handset. It's because these guys they've sold too many handsets and not built the network out properly. That. Ben, that's my flaw. That's the, the problem we have today. It's a problem we had last year, and we're still gonna we're gonna it's gonna get even worse, I think. So Rafe, if I'm if I'm let's take you know a big a big non-mobile brand like a Cardo in the UK, and if I'm seeing my customers increasingly moving to mobile, but then I also see capacity crunch or data crunch coming, and I think we we should move it to talk on about why in a minute because it's not all laziness on the side of network operators that's causing this do you should do you actually think it's worth them investing in it yet because it, it seems like a fairly uncertain future consumers might be grabbing these devices but it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be able to buy stuff from my store or use my apps effectively it's a it's a difficult question to answer simply because i think a lot of it is unknown at the moment and those that have been the innovators um have been sort of collecting plenty of data but you know although we hear about such and such amount of revenue coming through mobile we're not always hearing whether that's providing a good return on interest in terms of profits i mean if you're just looking at basic sales figures yes it it makes sense to do so but um how efficient that conversion is is more open to debate but i would say any company needs to look at it um as they would any other kind of retail channel or whatever channel their business is in um, because otherwise they will be left behind because it's quite clear what the direction of consumer trends are. Uh, and I think we've seen that in that we're seeing more and more of the big brands come out with their applications. You know, there are now uh, mobile apps from Mercado, from Tesco's, from Sainsbury's, from Asda, and they're expanding onto the platforms all the time. And those are the big guys. I mean, the interesting thing is how well does that convert for the maybe the smaller brands or the uh, individual retailers? And that does then get to be a bit of an issue um, if you're talking about the retail space in particular. You know, it's kind of the death of the high street potentially all over again. I mean, it's not unusual now. I was told by an independent bookseller to see people coming in, uh, taking pictures of you know book covers and then going to order them on Amazon. That's We've now got the... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it too, I'll admit it. Um, it's now getting to the point with the phones, with an iPhone or... Windows phone, you can actually scan the barcode direct and that will drop you straight into the Amazon page and you can have ordered it in less time than you it takes to walk to the till. So yes, mobile needs to be thought about by everybody and I think there will be some really big losers and I'm afraid to say I suspect it will be the indies that lose out more than anything else. 
Yeah, well, can I just uh, come in there? I think the, the, the issue with the indies is that they're they're not aware of it. Most of them probably don't have a, a lot of it, analytics going on. Um, I mean, I went to a, a, a conference in the States about e-commerce the, uh, the other month, and they, they were pointing out that some crazy percentage of, uh, of SMEs um, you know, who are doing a lot of money online, okay, they've got their e-commerce thing sorted by eBay for their own site and so on, but they've, they're just they're completely ignoring mobile and they're not thinking about it. Um, the, the challenge I've got is I want service, okay, I want predictability, I want service, I don't want an error ever with any transaction, right? That's why I don't want to use eBay. I don't want the, some arse not sending the stuff or being delayed or so on. I just don't want that experience. So I use Amazon for everything. I'm an Amazon Prime customer and I prioritize anything that can be sent to me via Amazon Prime. So I don't care who you are as long as you've got the product I want and you send it to me via Amazon Prime because that assures me that it's going to be delivered um, on time and uh, I, don't, I don't have any, any exceptions whatsoever. On Ocado, by the way, I just did a check. One of the the, the stat I could find for this year, um, they their uh, Reuters quoted them as saying that mobile phones were using 15% of their transactions in the first half of of this year, 2011, and that's a 150% increase from a year earlier. So yeah, Ocado are doing it. I think everybody else needs to be seriously thinking about mobile. I want to move on from from retailers, really, because I think this is you know this one, one thing it, yeah. that we're we're seeing. But just before we just before we do, the other thing that I I wondered, and perhaps it moves the conversation on a bit, was about how whilst the mobile device is fantastic uh, for convenience to do what what sometimes called like snack working, so you know little discrete tasks, you know in between other things like doing your cardo shop on the train. Um, the other thing there is that it's actually much harder to do comparison shopping and that kind of stuff where, you know, multiple sites interrogating lots of organizations, mm. uh, maybe even booking travel when you've got more complex kind of requirements. And so perhaps that actually, the the, the trend with the 50% actually pushes up the importance of usability in the whole piece yes. and that re- retailers who have, you know, online presences that sell via kind of second rate web shops are going to struggle here because actually, you know, consumers won't use that, no. or they'll they'll go wherever it's easiest to do the transaction. Yeah, Amazon. Well, an Amazon, Amazon well, I, I, example. Well, I, I routinely what I'll do is I'll, I'll find a product that you know uh, on the web that I uh, I need to buy, and then I'll make sure I buy it through Amazon. And sometimes that means the retailer that was selling it on the web through their, as you say, their shite, you know, rubbish website that requires me to create even yet another account. Don't even bother using that. I'll just I'll do it through Amazon. That's on the desktop. On the mobile, it's even worse. Before we move on, Ben, I'd just like to relate one anecdote or one news story that I saw this week, and it's eBay is opening a pop-up shop in London for a Christmas period of, I think it's about five days. Um, and what they're doing is they're having their top 200 favorite products uh, available in the shop and things that you can try on, because there are, we recognize, items that you would not buy directly over the internet you might want to go and see or try on first. But the interesting component of it is they're not having any traditional tills. They're just asking people to bring in their phone or their smartphone uh-huh. and pay for the thing by logging on to the mobile eBay website and filling in their username and password and doing it through the traditional uh, PayPal or credit card method. So even when there are things that are perhaps not suited to uh, electronic transactions, there's still a chance that mobile will end up taking them away from the traditional high street. And Apple, well, there's been talk that Apple's new 
Apple Store app for the iPhone will allow you to pay for things in store and just walk out of the store clutching the product uh, without actually needing to go to the till. I, I haven't it's gone seen live it. in the US now. It's Has it? Yeah, I've not seen it. Countries. I've not seen how it works. There's some. I had a whole bunch of questions about how does the security guard know you've paid for it? Apart from perhaps you know the, <laughs> the how nervous you look. But, um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, it's it's certainly interesting. Sort of in, rather than it displacing the whole experience, it could be part of a blended thing. But I, I wanted to, to take a bit of a, a, a shift left and wonder about sort of security as well because i had some really mm. interesting conversations this week with um a san francisco based company called lookout who who do kind of a an anti-malware product for android and, uh, and some security stuff for iphone and I'll, I'll, I'll write about them separately but one of the things they said to me which stood out was that cons- people were three times more likely to be fooled by a phishing attempt uh, you know, sort of one of those one of those emails that purports to come from your bank but yeah. doesn't, and then tries to steal credentials by using to log in yeah. or SMS. And yeah. and also they were saying that increasingly they're seeing kind of malicious mobile advertising as well that tries to make the advert look like something that your phone or your operator is telling you, and then you know oh gets you to to do the same thing uh, because. And they were saying that they're seeing it's three times more likely that you'll be fooled by that on a smartphone. Uh, Primarily because so many of the cues which you know regular users are given to identify that on their computer, like you know the the URL, the email address it comes from, all those kinds of things are obscured yeah. on smartphones. And I wonder whether or not, quite aside from you know as consumers, all the stuff we want to buy and and who does it well and who does it poorly, whether actually there's a whole bunch of other concerns and issues which are going to emerge and who they'll be a problem for because. You know, who, apart from me personally, if I if I get you know my my bank account is ravaged for all the money in it, um, whose whose problem is that really? Because you know it upsets me, but it probably upsets my bank when it happens to you know a thousand people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I the the biggest issue we've got is Android because it's completely unmanaged, whereas at least there is a, there's a veil of manageability and and service level or perceived service level from these other app stores. But when you're on the phone. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this is a, a real problem. We've seen it so many times with Android. I'm surprised that the Daily Mail um, style audience hasn't picked up on the dangers of Android yet, because you know there are so many apps in the store that this has been reported widely. You know that will just take all your data. So you, they give you free wallpapers. You think, oh, fantastic! I've got a free wallpaper app. But actually, what it's doing is taking every single SMS and every single uh, contact and email and sending them to some server in China. This is just absolutely ridiculous. I think it's going to be a bigger and bigger problem. When I I think about how my, let's say my mother uses a smartphone, uh, she uses an iPhone, and that that's great. But if anything gets through, that if anything uh, pops up or or looks, you know, or fools her, I th- I can imagine her typing her details in and and and, um, and becoming a victim very quickly. And Rafe, do you think that the risk of of things like that happening to to Ewan's mum uh, means that operators or you know banks or credit card companies are going to need to specifically start you know dealing with mobile separate uh, online transactions? Yes, I think there's probably going to be a need for kind of all the players in the kind of the value chain, if you like, to have a go at this. And I mean, to be fair, operators are already doing this with, you know, uh, spam SMS and phishing SMS. They will filter those out for you. Of course, you won't ever be aware of it. Um, but there probably is a bigger issue on mobile because it's uh, a personal device. And I think people probably store more sensitive information than anything else. Maybe it's got more information that's 
so aggregating more stuff as well with a security mm. point of view. I, I don't think it will be too long before you know, there's wallets and maybe even health data and all those kind of things. So it becomes a very valuable target. Um, and the device itself, we already have a problem with it being a movable object. Uh, I mm. tend to think it will be just as it has been on the PC and that this is an issue that applications and the platforms will have to address themselves. And um, obviously, in, in one sense, that was done through antivirus and you know security applications of one sort or another. But increasingly, I'm seeing on you know the desktop operating systems in something like the browser, they'll automatically check a URL yeah. for a phishing attack before you do that. And I would imagine the phone will end up having to have much the same functionality. Well, that's, so that's that, where I want my my operator to do that. I'd like Vodafone or or O2 or somebody to actually do the lookup for me before I do it. And that's interesting because what that, that was one of Lookout's products was kind of what they called a safe browser, which did that. And although they sell it direct to consumers, they were talking quite a lot about working with, I think it was, well, I'm going to get this wrong, I think it was Verizon in the US right. and they were off to see an Australian operator in order just to, to bundle the product onto the device, specifically for this reason i don't want it on the device yeah. actually i want it in the network well it's it what happens is I, I quite like their solution actually and i don't want to talk about it too much but it was in the cloud so you do need a you do need something installed on the handset to to intercept and jump in and go and do the check but actually the comparison the alerting and everything happens you know in the cloud because i don't think it's possible to to sort of intercept all the ways that these malicious URLs could arrive, well, you know, wait, by no, email. No, okay, well, very simply what you could do, I mean, I have it on Vodafone, I've had to switch off the, um, the you know, the, the kid protector thing, you know, because I, I, I access so many different sites on my yes. phones. So I don't want, <laughs> don't, don't imply anything. <laughs> um, so what is it called, the Vodafone... Uh, I don't know, tedious content block, I think. Yeah, the content, the content protector thingy, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're already doing that for, for an array of different sites. Dropbox, for example, and, and um, I, I can't remember the other ones, but you know, it's, it, every time I try and get to somewhere on a, on a new handset, um, I have to go back and phone up the, the operator and switch this thing off. But So that shows they can do this. So, yeah, make it better for me. But they, they, could, they can do it... In terms of the outbound web requests, but right. can they can they do it then in terms of um, can they do it for can they do it for phishing and spam and malware? For example, you know, do you, do you want your network operator looking at the data that your apps send to you know wherever cl so closely that they can see all the data inside it? You know, or do well, you, I think you know, they already do, they can already see it? They're already doing it. I'd, I'd like them to have a look and maybe check a certificate or something because the browser that I'm using. You know, on my devices, they're just simply not good enough yet, right? I think this is going to be a real, a real challenge actually, because in one, in one respect, yes, it would be nice if the operators kind of stepped in and sort of acted as big brother mm. in that respect. But then my other experience is every time the operators get into content blocking, yeah. uh, you know, to quotes to protect me, mm. um, I find that the, the the false positives are so intrusive and annoying. Yeah. Like, for example, the Vodafone one I know exactly. blocks Flickr which yes, means yes. that every time somebody posts a photo or something and I want to go and see it, you know, apparently that's, that's dangerous for me. Um, you know, I've just, I've just turned it off. Although, mm. you know, I appreciate that there is material on Flickr that I wouldn't necessarily think is appropriate to children. Yeah. So, Rafe, wait, I mean, for, for, operators, for operators who can see sort of revenues per user nosediving whilst, you know, these expensive devices are flowing out the door, this is just one more hassle, isn't it? Uh, or it's a potential revenue stream. Uh, this is kind of the smart pipe comes in, which is basically what Ewan was describing. 
I think the interesting thing here is it really depends on on trust. Who do you trust to look after this kind of thing for you? And the UK is quite an interesting market where operators and device manufacturers are relatively equal. And so I can see people saying, yes, I trust uh, Sony Ericsson to provide this protection or I trust uh, Google at the platform level or Apple or Microsoft or whoever it happens to be, or I want my operator to do it, you know, because Vodafone's trustworthy is other operate are other operators in the UK do they have that same level of trust you know is three seen in a different light perhaps and certainly if you look outside the UK fine it's going to have to be the operators in the US they're the big named out in Asia it'll have to be the device manufacturers but then you get to the question do you trust Nokia as much as you trust uh, some Far Eastern ODM who no one's ever heard of to do this for you so it's not who, a, who makes a, the Nokia phones <laughs> well exactly who so it's not a not a simple question um, but it, for me, it does come back to the fact it's going to have to be a combination of, you know, the operators doing a certain amount of smart filtering, then sensible stuff on the handset to to help with that. And, you know, the app store, you had mentioned it earlier, Android being wide, wide open. I think that is a problem. And we've already seen it in the enterprise world, how uh, Android handsets are sometimes locked down to not let you onto the Google marketplace. And for very good reason. Um, Although... And- that can give a slightly false sense of security because whilst I know it was one specific gap, there was a, a researcher recently who demonstrated that um, yeah. at whilst, whilst his app was reviewed by Apple and published in the App Store as safe, mm. the in-app content that it then downloaded wasn't ever reviewed and he was able to make a, a non-malicious program, very malicious, you know, the first time it was run just yes. by getting uh, some content from the internet. Now, I suspect that will be changed, but there's a risk sometimes that you get this full sense of security. Well, and, oh, and who's, who's responsible, by the way, right? So um, if I've bought an iPhone for my mother and um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling her it's going to be absolutely perfectly fine, don't worry, because Apple review everything. Does that review mean they review it or assure it? Uh, and of course, you then get what levels you want. You know, enterprise probably want the most secure levels, particularly if it's something involving financial transactions or records that need to be kept. Some consumers want a complete protection. Some want it a lot more open. And so I suspect we're going to get to the point where we have almost different levels of protection so that you can crank it up if you need it to be absolutely secure and then uh, let it out and, you know, maybe completely unlock a device. Uh, but that's actually a pretty hard system to implement. And there's real costs involved, obviously, in providing full protection. Mm. And at the moment, we've kind of got the app stores have a kind of on or off characteristic at the moment. Can we think of a future where maybe there would be sort of an approved list of a thousand apps that you're guaranteed absolutely safe yeah. and then sort of graded back from that would, you know, it's it's possible. And that, well, those are the kind of things that need to be thought about. I, uh, on the, uh, the, the Lumia, the Nokia Lumia that I've got, I've got... Um, box files or something like that for Dropbox. So Dropbox don't have a um, an app yet, an approved app, an official Dropbox app, I don't think, for Windows. So I've downloaded a few. There's quite a few on the, the Windows uh, store that, that, that do that allow me to access Dropbox. I think I even paid for one. But I have no idea. It's some guy that made it, right? So I have no idea whether or not he's sniffing it, looking at it, or doing anything, or whether Microsoft or Nokia or anybody has actually reviewed the app and I mean line by line to make sure there's nothing uh, negative going on there. How do I know this stuff is okay? So yeah, at, at some point I want to have the official Dropbox app on my phone. It, it could be that you get uh, 
the, the first step in that kind of graded store that Rafe was talking about is where you just get kind of like, you know, how on Twitter you get verified identities, you yes. have verified publishers. So you could just turn it on so that you can only buy, you know, or you can only get the Tesco's and the Sainsbury's and the Ocado app because they are published by those people who have been verified. Like and, a certificate. Well, I was thinking like not, ju- not just a certificate in terms of, you know, validating mm. that transaction to make sure that, you know, you know, you're actually getting the real one, but that you could look at a store where you only buy from kind of the original vendor. Yeah. You don't ever buy a, like a third party variation or something like that. So, mm. you know, you get less choice and less complexity, but you know for definite that when you go, when I search for Tesco, the only thing it offers me is Tesco's app because, yes. you know, they're the ones who make it. Mm. Um, I just wanted to pick up on Rafe's point, final one before we before we, we finish off, because it's a pretty broad subject. I'd be, be interested to hear what listeners think about this. And that was about loyalty, because as we as you move to, you know, the majority of, of users owning smartphones, I think there's an important dynamic that changes in terms of loyalty, because there's they're no longer just there's no longer just the mobile networks name that people are buying from. Yes. There's. Um, well, let's take the Android example. There's Google, which you know is fairly prominently plastered on Android, and people mm. know Google slash Android and all the services then you get from it. And also, you've got the device manufacturer like HTC or Samsung or, or whatever. And so, all of a sudden, there's three or four fairly significant brands, you know, getting visible to consumers. And which one? Which one do they care about? And which one will they be loyal to? Yeah. And who's going to bring the customers with them as they change? Because, I mean, smartphones are changing at such a rate. You know, who's going to get the mind share? Very interesting. Okay, I got my hair cut in Richmond um, on impulse last week. And the chap there started talking to me about phones, just just out of the blue. I said, all right, yeah, I'm into phones. He said, yeah, I want to get this new Nokia. I've been a Nokia customer for ages, he says. Um, I don't use them at the minute, but they've got this new smartphone, right? I'm going to get it. And that's because of his loyalty, right? Now, he's going to encounter this issue with Microsoft. So who's going to be more loyal to Microsoft or Nokia? What's your opinion, Rafe? I I think uh, the tendency amongst power users to be probably more loyal to the the platform. But I think the vast majority of people, and I'm talking 95% plus here, probably recognize the manufacturer brand before anything else. And I don't really see that changing. The operator brand, I think, also does come into it. Um, But both of those are very market dependent. I mean, we've made reference to this in the past. The US is sort of carrier dominating them as a, if you like, a continuum that goes from uh, west to east, with Europe sort of being somewhere in the middle and Asia being most open, and therefore more about uh, the handset Mm. manufacturer brand. Um, I don't really see that changing. Uh, and there are going to be things that I think from a loyalty point of view may be a bigger lock-in and that's the things like apps and then the services that run on them, which might mean that loyalty increases, not because people generally love them more, but because they feel the switching costs, the barriers to entry for moving to a different brand are going to be bigger. And that, to me, hurts the mobile operators, mm. at least in part, because now I need, as a mobile operator, I've got to sustain you know, a good range of devices across all of the ecosystems. I mean, we we saw it first where, you know, the iPhone in the UK was available exclusively on one operator. And then, you know, as, as Apple were prepared to start talking to others, the others jumped on it. But now, if I want to access people locked into the iPhone ecosystem with investment in apps and media on that platform, I can't not have that device. And that puts Apple in a much stronger position than 
Vodafone or or you know everything everywhere when they're having their, their negotiations. It does, and there's also the factor for the manufacturers, be it Apple, HTC, or whoever, that um, in order to get people to switch, which they're going to have to do now because they're everyone owns a smartphone, the the costs involved are are bigger now. You can look at that from an app point of view. I don't think that's necessarily too strong yet because so many apps are disposable mm. and the really big ones will be on both app stores. And there's ways to get around that, maybe having an inbox at a $25 app card or something like that. And it's already started. That's what they've done for Windows Phone in the States to try and get around that problem. Yeah. But it's also about the services. So it's got to have Facebook on your phone. You've got to have Twitter. So those are all extra things you have to bake into your platform and give people the experience that they have come to expect. And so it actually makes it more difficult for... Uh, both new manufacturers but also new platforms to get in so i do think that maybe we're looking at a future where you know we're not necessarily going to see quite so much dynamism as we have in the past in uh, a platform and a manufacturer point of view but uh, having said that i've been surprised in the past so i expect that wrong. to continue <laughs> i have been wrong in the past yeah <laughs> i thought blackberry would be dead by now sorry you know. um, me, me too to be honest um, oh you and me insert insert blackberry taunt Cool. Well, look, thanks very much for your time, guys. As ever, we're hugely interested to hear what you, the listeners, have to say. So um, please leave a comment wherever you uh, hear this on Wireless Worker, all about Windows Phone, all about Symbian or Mobile Industry Review uh, with some with some feedback. Um, we're still preparing for our patents episode coming up sometime towards the end of season two. So if you have any thoughts on software patents and their impact on the mobile industry, which is a very hot topic at the moment, please do you know, zap us an email or leave us a comment below. And uh, we'd be really interested to hear your opinions before we record the episode. As ever, thanks very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week talking about mobile handset insurance. Very exciting. So until next week, thank you very much.